0: Welcome to a, another Kwanzaa Cafe where I'm talking with uh, another senior member of the academic institu- institution, this time it's John Mitchell, he is the uh, Vice Dean of Education of the UCF Faculty of Engineering Science and also a Professor of Communications Systems Engineering in the Department of Electrical and Electronic Engineering. His research is focused on optical and wireless access systems, optical fiber access, millimeter wave radio access, as well as systems that combine both these two areas. And his work's been funded by multiple uh, bodies in Europe, the UK Engineering and Physical Science Research Council, the European Union, the UK Technology Strategy Board, and and multiple uh, industry partners. But interestingly for us, between 2012 and 2016, he was on secondment to the engineering services faculty office, where he led the introduction of the integrated engineering program. And they've led major renovations on the program at UCL. And John and I have had a number of conversations about the success of this. So I'm really looking forward to having that conversation. And actually in 2009, he was awarded the UCL Provost Award for teaching. So clearly you have something to offer John. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing about that. He's a, uh, chartered engineer, for of the Institution of Engineering and Technology, and a senior member of the Institute of Electrical Electronics Engineers. And in my experience, and all around, as we say in England, a good egg. So uh, we've, uh, we've had many, many conversations over the last few years. And unfortunately, we haven't seen each other for, uh, for a while because of the pandemic. But John, welcome. Uh, thank you for taking thank the time you. to talk with me and uh, looking forward to it. Pleasure. So you know, I, I you know I, I I like to start these conversations actually kind of in the area where people are uh, often telling me that undergraduates don't have a lot of insight into what engineering is when they enter the program. Just thought, yeah, you know, I'd ask you the question: What inspired you to start engineering? Uh, did 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 you want to be an engineer from a young age, or did it happen suddenly? And what what inspired you?
1: Yeah, so, so i my father repaired washing machines and vacuum cleaners and that sort of thing, and I used to work in his his shop on a on a Saturday and help him out. And so I was always, from a very early age, there were things things to take apart. And you, I guess, as a as a reasonably young child, you start working out when you take things apart. You pretty soon better learn how to put them back together again if you want to stay out of trouble. So that was always sort of in my nature the the the, the idea of tinkering with things and and. and uh, and then, you know, you see behind me, I got got into playing the guitar and various other things, and sort of, you know, building amplifiers and pedals and all sorts of things as a as a kid. And um, yeah, so that was always something that really spurred me. And but I guess what has sort of followed me through was I. One thing that did then occur to me is I, you know, I decided to do a a degree in electronics. I'd been been quite was quite good at maths and physics at school, as many people as as was as necessary to go on and study right, a degree right. in engineering. Um, but also had that you know real interest in, in, in a practical subject and I think what has stayed with me is I, I went and did a degree it was you know, interesting and you know learnt a lot from it but you know if I characterise it now it felt a bit more like an applied physics degree than, a, than right. an electronic degree in a practical right. sense it, it, you know I, some of my colleagues could have left not knowing one end of a soldering iron from the other quite frankly <laughs> and come out with a first class degree and you know, it always stuck with me that that you know later on when I ended up be- becoming an academic that there was there was something that was was missing and um you know I like some of the characterizations of of Dave Goldberg I even mean, you know talk about the joy of engineering there was something about that theory and practice coming together that that does bring uh yeah something something of a joy I mean as 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 engineers it is fundamental that creating something that taking what is not and using knowledge to bring something about that that, that wasn't there before. And I think that's that's what um you know, inspired me inspired me as a kid as to what you could do with these bits you find and, and, and still inspires me to this day. And I think we have, you know, we we really should in our degrees bring that inspiration that that you know engineering is about maths and physics and science. That that's undoubtedly a part of it. But that is um, necessary but not sufficient to be a good engineer, and the creativity, the inspiration, all these sorts of things—you uh, know—problem finding, problem solving—are, are, you know, are, are what ex- have always excited me about engineering. And I think what what we need to instill in our in our graduates.
0: Yeah, it it, it, it reminds me. You're talking about your dad having a, a job fixing washing machines and and so on. My dad, he was an accountant and, you know, he couldn't change a, a light bulb or, or or a plug, God rest his soul, you know, and, and, and uh, I remember one time, you know, back in the day, we had a rented video recorder, you know, where you've got the big levers oh, that yeah, you push yeah. down and play and record. And one day for some reason, I think I was about 12 or 13, I decided to take it apart. And when he came home, there's all these pieces neatly laid out and, and mm. he couldn't afford to buy it. And it was a rental place. And I ended up doing mechanical engineering. Uh, <laughs> You know, so I, I guess it, it does stick with you from an early age. And, and, and I, what's interesting about your research, even though it's you know it, it's research into online areas, it's a practical application that you're you're driving towards, you know, in, in all of your communication uh, aspects. But this is a nice segue into kind of discussing what you, you you were involved in at UCL, which is a pretty radical change to the to the. To the curriculum a big overhaul so maybe give us a little bit of a, of a, of a history as to, to how that came about the challenges you faced and what you actually did
1: yeah certainly um so when i when i first became came an academic fairly soon after after finishing my phd there was um my head of department had become involved in a in a project to implement problem-based learning and it was something that had been you know touted by a, a few people in what was then the IE now the IET in the UK as uh you know something we should pilot to see whether it could improve engineering outcomes and he got involved in this project I'm not sure how aware he was of the whole field of it at the time and um and I as a young academic was you know turned up uh, I had my two courses to teach and he said well why don't you teach yeah. one of these and teach it with problem-based learning
0: sorry so this was way before the 2012, this is back in... Oh, this in, is right? no, yes, this is,
1: 20, this is 2001, I think, yeah. Oh, this was okay, okay. When okay. I first And I was given a third year module, and I think this is what we see a lot of some of these innovations that people try, you know, you've got these little islands that someone's given, and they can do a you know, really good thing there. Actually, it's quite hard to expand that out and to 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 make it make it uh, make it broader in the curriculum. And a lot of my colleagues looked at it and they, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going back to my lectures and I'll carry on because it looks pretty tough. And, and to be fair, some of the students said that as well because you know, one thing that you know characterises a lot of universities is our our students are good at the games we set them. They know how to learn stuff. regurgitate mm. it in an exam and that and, and repeat. You know based learning does set that on its head a little bit it changes the the rules of the game and pushes students and we certainly found that in the third year it was you know it's high stakes and you know, students rebelled a little right. bit against it and so we we carried on and some of my colleagues did some we did some other modules we brought in some things in the you know we found gaps in the curriculum where we could run project modules earlier on but we were getting to the stage where it was becoming really difficult. Uh, colleagues in civil engineering had done quite a major overhaul. The opportunity came to yeah to to, to move to the faculty and to, to lead this program as something, and I don't know that I realized quite at the time how radical it was that we took the view that if we really truly believed this was the way we should teach engineering, we should change all our programs. We should do it with a big bang.
0: You are filled with this notion that, okay, it's it's all or nothing. We're not gonna do any part, we're just gonna just go for
1: it well to some extent i mean we did, yeah we did what i called a pilot i mean laughingly it, it was a pilot we had 600 students on the thing we on the pilot because the one thing we didn't know how to do was to do it at scale we actually knew a lot of the right. things we wanted to do because we could <laughs> take we, you know, we we'd, we'd had classes of 30 doing problem based learning we'd had these things for for 50s but what right. happens if you do it with cohorts of six hundred? That that that's the wow. that's the bit we actually needed to yeah. pilot it. And, um, so the the concept behind it was really to say, you know, we've got good degrees, there, you know, they're, people are people are you know, the the students coming through are getting jobs, but we could do better and we could we feel you know this heavy math science starting foundation and the projects only come later on. We wanted to, you know, all the things we were hearing from industry industry of strengthening communication skills, strengthening teamwork skills, strengthening problem solving skills, problem identifying skills. We felt these are not things you can add on later. They need to be inherent as well as getting our students in the process of design to be thinking about sustainability, global responsibility, all these things. Correct you've got to start that from the beginning it's got to become inherent and I think what we were seeing we we tacked some of these on the curriculum and it so often happens these things that have come in later from ABET or UK spec in the UK um, but they need to if the students are going to see them not as something external to what they do they need to be integrated and hence I guess the integrated engineering program really was about integrating the disciplines and integrating all those right. things so but we had a traditional university, a research intensive university. So we looked to, you know, how there's a question of how much you can disrupt and try and find enough room in the curriculum to put this thread of projects, this thread of skills, but also, you know, Professor X, who'd been teaching the same class for 20 years could carry on doing that. And it would feed into these other things, but we, you know, it wasn't a full revolution, but I, you know, one thing that I think became clear to me reasonably early on in the design, You've got to have enough disruption to make it hurt. You've got to, you've got to have right. an impact, otherwise, um, you know. So did
0: you, did you start? Did you start with the with the with the with the first year students and then work your way up as they move through yeah. the program? Was that the yeah. plan? And so then we, how many just, out, just, on, just sorry just out of interest, yeah. how many faculty did you have kind of involved in the kind of design of this approach? So those two things are kind of interesting to me. Oh.
1: Yeah, um, that's an interesting question. So, there was a sort of, there were a number of core teams, um, and it's interesting actually, there was a huge amount of value in just bringing people together from departments, because we'd rarely done that for any reason. The, the departments were right. fairly siloed in, in most senses. There was a sort of management representing each each of the departments. There were four areas that were, you know, in the skills, the projects, um, the maths, um, and, and what we were calling minors that were were, were brought together. And so, there were teams ranging from 20 or 30 from different departments working on that and then the departments were i mean what we very much described it as was a was a framework that there was almost i actually wrote it as a design specification that i gave to departments saying, it's got to look like this yeah and i thought it was, i thought that might chime with engineers that you know this is this is the framework you've got to design your program right to. there right. are some but you can you know as long as you meet the requirements you can sort of design around it and we can have a negotiation so it wasn't a sort of flat you do this you do this you do this there were some bits that were specified right. but a lot of it there was a fair flexibility so probably there was probably close to a hundred involved in one way or another in it by the time it was all up and running because it effectively wow. probably i mean who were you know very closely involved in others i mean because we effectively rewrote the curriculum of nine departments wow and, and how how did that process i mean did you did
0: you start uh like the beginning of one year and implement it the next year or did you kind of spend three months trying to do it i mean that's a lot of people in any business but you know i i know and i, I don't mean to be disrespectful but academics are it's kind of like herding sheep right i mean it, it's not easy
1: i think i i'm stars aligned in that we had a dean who was making a very strong push there were some new heads of department who came in who were you know brought in with this was part of it um we'd had a new provost who was who was really pushing the education agenda of the university you know talked about we're very powerful research institution but you know we probably there's areas of the teaching we should should do better on so i think that there was that whole sort of structure around it that it was something that was being talked about and was um was there um we spent pretty much 18 months designing the whole the the the, the, the framework of the first and second year and then rolled out a first year while others were working on the second year. It really only, it really, the major changes were the first two years and then most go off into streams and specialisations right, right. and that sort of thing later on. Um, as well as, I mean, so actually it's probably about half of the first year is entirely redesigned and half of it was was made up of what was there, but well, mixed up and some took, you know, some departments rearranged things a bit more. Others took it as an opportunity to have a, a real rethink of things. You know, our chemical engineering department really stripped down their their whole programs. And I think one of the things that that really, you know, when when I tell people that, it's about how can you change your program so sufficiently. I mean, I think the truth is that it's you know, you throw everything up in there. Of course, actually, you know, eighty percent of it lands back down again. What being an engineer has not fundamentally changed. You know, there's still a lot it, of the same stuff
0: there. But it, but it's interesting. I mean, you had somebody driving it. You had a number, clearly a number of people who wanted the change. You saw the value of the change. You saw the yeah. the benefits. And we talked about, you know, one of the outcomes of this is the students are are you know, able to develop professional skills. You know, teamwork, communication, milestones, you know, deadlines, and you know, sharing of responsibilities. And those are kinds of things which are, which are part of the outcome. But how do you put that all into a curriculum that's already so full and I was really interested in your uh, description of how you did it with the post-it notes I mean you, you had mm. uh, lots of sessions to, to try and eliminate some of the things that maybe were unnecessary
1: well I think yeah I mean I think that's that's fundamental to design I mean what, one thing we did find was that actually you know most people do not know there's very few people in the department know the whole of the curriculum intimately they know their right. strand or their discipline you know maybe the, the the you know director of studies or the head of years knows, knows bits but actually to see the whole thing so I took yeah took an approach where we I broke the syllabus wrote it on I got known for these um these these big post-it notes which are, which are great for things in all different colours and just mapped out the whole first two years and posted it on a on a on a big wall and then brought in sort of the key team from the departments that were working on it and got them to just take a look at this, think about how you would organize it. And what we discovered was, you know, they'd look at me like, well, why is this post-it note three times? It's like, well, it's in three modules. <laughs> um, or are we still teaching that? It's like when well, your syllabus says you are and, and these sorts of things. And think about how you can bring bring it all together in a slightly different way. Because I think, you know, we design curriculum early on, but then they do evolve organically. And in some cases it will depend how long that organic e- evolution has been going right, as right. to how, Many tendrils grow and a little bit of pruning you know (laughs) as academics we are very good at adding stuff in we're not very good at taking things out right and that's a failure if something's no longer important
0: I would get the sense that the success you've had I mean we talk about the benefits and I loved your story Hmm. about uh, that 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 title maybe you can share with everybody you know how to change the world or what was it what was the how to to change the world
1: so um, we had we had in big orange letters across the faculty one of one of the new deans was sort of we need a strap line and change the world became the faculty strap line um and we were trying to think of something as a sort of capstone project of the two years because our students are doing these these this succession of projects and at the end of the two years we wanted something you know big two week at the end of term where they looked at un sustainability goals interdisciplinary teams we we're playing with ideas from this and we we're trying to find ways of framing it. But through to pollution, sustainability, anything you design as an engineer, computer scientist will impact people. And you need to understand that impact that you're having on people. And there was a group who just didn't get, didn't want to engage with that that concept. You know, we 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 code, we program, we do this, but this is not this is not our discipline, these people. And there was a small group who were very vocal in the first run of it. Um but they got through it, it, it seemed to go well. And then after the the end of the summer, I bumped into one of them in, in the lift who'd been particularly vocal on it. He said, oh, um, I've just come back from a job interview. And he said, um, and I would put how to change the world on my CV and I could see they'd highlighted it. And it was the first thing they asked when I, when I went in, what, what on earth is this? And so I explained, you know, it was wicked problems. It was interdisciplinary. We had to work in teams. We'd not worked and come up with solutions and pitch ideas and all this sort of thing. And I could see them as if they were, you know, ticking things off on their checklist as they go down. And so, you know, I, I sort of thought they were going to ask me all these technical questions about, you know, how you define a point doing SQL or something like that. But no, they just are. two-thirds of the interview was talking about this program. So, you know, maybe there's something in it after all.
0: <laughs> um, That's been going and it's been in place for a number of years. And, and then obviously the last 12 months, everything got, everything got thrown up in the air when the pandemic hit. So um how easy was it for you to continue doing those kinds of projects in the style that you did when the whole world started going into lockdown
1: oh there were there were there were days i did think that oh my life would have been so much easier if we hadn't done this if we just had big (laughs) 300 we could have you know we could post on youtube life would it is hard it is hard um i think you know it well I guess as we've all discovered actually the tools for collaborative teamwork online are still you know there are good ones out there now but they are still yeah. very much in their infancy both in the technology but both in I think people's appreciation of them I right. think there's a whole host of things that have come about I think we've had a hidden um, digital divide and, and possibly even more than digital divide of you know whether whether the students have somewhere quiet to study whether they've got you know got siblings running around when they're at home and how how they interact I think there's a whole host of things that we probably never never saw in the background of of what our students do when they, they they study that have been brought to the fore by the pandemic so I think you know it has been difficult I think we've learned a lot of good things we can do online but I'm you know I think I am still wedded to the idea that you know Particularly, a good engineering education is very difficult to do to do remotely to do online. I think there's great things we can do, and much that's been advanced. But you know, what I hope, what I hope we can take out of it, and if the you know if good any good can come out of this, is that we will go back and reevaluate what value it is of putting you know students and you know, highly paid academics in the same room together. What is the value of doing that? Right. And you know, if we've learned, you can do it just as well on 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 YouTube or on Zoom. We should be doing it on YouTube on Zoom. But the things, you know, and it speaks to to your industry though. You know, the, the wonderful things that you do in a lab that that discovery through through right. experimentation or and, and through, um, you know, through through cre you know, creative activity in a in a lab, um, I. I I, I think it's so hard to replicate and he's, you know, and we, we need to go back and think about, well, what are we using our estate for? You know, UCL is in Bloomsbury in London, some of the most right. expensive real estate in the world. <laughs> and you've you expanded know.
0: out east as well, haven't you? you and we're expanding out east.
1: Yet. Yeah, new labs coming out <laughs> there. And But, you know, what are we using them for? Are we using them for really adding value that can't be added in other ways? And I, I hope that this switch to all online has given us yeah, really valuable insight into that of how we can create a, a stronger blend of the physical and the online to, to support our students. Yeah I mean
0: this is that I mean this is a conversation I have with so many people that you know you went from about maybe 10 or 15 percent of the faculty who have been trying some of these techniques to, to, to now 100 percent and realizing just how hard it is and but other active conversations now about you know how to, to move into the future like what you can take away and undoubtedly
1: Undoubtedly. i mean i'm 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 naturally a bit of a pessimist on these things i i i i I hear a lot of people saying that oh you know we won't go back i mean actually i think unless some unless there's a conscious decision not to i think actually human nature means you do tend to fall back to the norm unless there are unless there is pressure pressure not to so i think there is a this is this is a really interesting point for engineering educators to come to the fore to 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 really say actually we you know we do need to think about how we gather evidence of what worked and what didn't and to make a conscious change I mean I there's I think you know I'm already starting seeing people you know we will go back to back to big lectures and and, and things whereas actually we've seen the students really appreciate the, the flexibility I mean one thing that Has struck me more than anything else in this is how our students are engaging with the online material. Okay. You used to see students, you know, they'd come in, they'd be be there for the two hour lecture, you know, there'd be a video of the lecture, but rarely would, you know, there'd be a few who'd view it, but you wouldn't see, you know, until you got to an assessment point, you, and then the, you know, the views of the video would spike. You know, (laughs) we're now looking at the stats of the video, and you're seeing that, you know, students are taking, you know, you put a, Bunch of ten-minute videos. They're taking two, three hours going through them. They're going back. They're watching it. They're looking at different speeds. They're really spending a lot of time with that material because it is there, and 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 they can. And actually, we've been having you know some of the most protracted conversations have been how how do we manage the students' workload because they are just putting so much engagement really. into the materials we're providing. Which really wasn't what we expected, and it is, you know, it seems far higher than we thought it was, or the evidence seemed to suggest it was when they came to a came to a lecture. It, it is quite remarkable. Um, so do you think I that mean,
0: might do you, do, might that be some somewhat to do with the fact that they're locked down as well now, and they're not going out as much as maybe they would have done in the past, and when when everything's over and they're back out partying and going to the pubs and so on, those stats may I, change.
1: I can't I can't help but think that might be the case. Um it's something we need to we do need to factor in and, and, and think about the fact that, you know, this more digestible form and the bite size and the way we link, you know, where we've seen really good courses of linking, you know, short videos to to questions to test your understanding and right. actually yeah, really, really good engagement from students in that, in the material we in when good and clearly thought out material, like a lot of these things, you know. Some colleagues have thought, "Oh, I can put my two-hour lectures up from last year, and that's online learning." And right. you know, very quickly but, that isn't the case. And we've tried to. Is there is there is there, a str-
0: is there a strong voice from the students in at UCL? I mean, do they come back and 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 give the feedback to to point out those like yourself who are doing an, an amazing job, and maybe some people who aren't doing quite as a. Productive? Yes.
1: Yes, I I think our students are fairly vocal. Um, I mean what in a way we've we've created that I think partly from on the back of the IEP because when we first set it up we didn't have many mechanisms for feedback other than the fairly usual ones um and uh, to be fair it's not wasn't just the IEP I think the whole university and the whole sector has moved to student voice being considerably more important And so there's different different ways of doing this but we were also very acutely aware that we needed to to have feedback from the students very regularly because we'd made such a large wholesale change. Oh, okay. So and that's been part of go the and turn yeah. down the way and find out something had gone wrong. We needed to be very reactive. Um right. as my colleague who was a control engineer described to me, he said, you know, effectively, you know, the 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 control system that we had decided to implement was bang bang change. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and as he pointed out, the problem with bang bang control is you need to be able to damp otherwise it oscillates. Um, right. And uh, and that student feedback was our was our damping factor effectively trying to keep on top of things go, going awry because we have made a sudden step change.
0: You do realise that you're talking to someone that's in the control field, so I now know. my engineers when they see this, they'll have this model in, in 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 the software and we'll use it to apply to one of our products as well. Actually, going back to what you were saying about students interacting, one of the things that we are um, really happy to see in the virtual assets that we've been. Uh, Providing is that students spend a lot of time doing that. So when they actually interact with the professors or the teaching assistants, the the depth of of what they're able to achieve is is much greater because they're not spending the two or three hours allocated to that particular concept. They're playing with it ahead of time, and then when they have their discussions. Um, so I think that's something which uh, is, is is really important. But you bring up a really good point. It actually because of their natural curiosity it's going to yeah. raise the workload right so that's that's going to be a challenge moving forward
1: indeed I mean I think that's you know again I think we've you know it has forced many colleagues to to interact with some of these technologies that they're perhaps shied away from a little bit and I think you know the, the world that's of good. virtual labs has moved on so much since I since I think many people last looked at it and there's some fabulous things out there and I think that's You know, again, where we fall back to, it would be sad to fall back to fully physical because actually, yeah, as you say, the the ability of a student to test out their ideas in where where there's going to be no blue smoke is (laughs) is a really valuable. And there's
0: no one looking over their shoulder as well because there's sometimes in the lab there's the fear of failure, right?
1: Yeah. No, indeed, and I mean, I think the other the 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 flip side of that is you know democratization of some of these access that you know you know typically. You know, historically that you know a a, a a you know an engineering lab of of a world you know a world class university is an incredibly expensive thing. Yes. Um, and there have been you know limited other ways of replicating it. But um, actually, I think you know some of the options now that that will 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 put into the hands of a much broader section of the world some of these technologies you know, not in quite the same way, but, but in, a, in a very highly functional way that, that uh, is an you know, exceptionally good approximation. Is it well, good
0: it, it's, kind of, it's kind of nice, actually, because one of the things that we're doing with the University of Toronto is we're working with them to find um, projects which their students can do on a level playing field with people in, in other parts of the world. Mm. You know, so essentially, they're using the same platform. And there's mm. not an advantage for for the University of Toronto students because the others don't have yeah. access to it. Um and that's challenging. Well it's challenging having undergrads work with people overseas anyway. do, do you mm. do programs like that with uh do you do undergrads working with people overseas? Is that something that you get involved at, at UCL? We've
1: had um we have had some some examples of it. I mean, in How to Change the World, there's usually there are there are sponsors for and some of them are international um usually charity partners who, who will bring people in to get, to give context to things um we have done one or two of these sort of joint joint projects but um it's not something we've we've done on uh on a, on a huge scale i must admit
0: well i mean uh i i have to say you know i think i first had this discussion with you about what you were doing you UCL. i think it was in munich a few years ago four or five years ago yeah and i remember asking I kind of felt a bit dumb because I remember asking you this question about, do you think this is a good idea? And I think your response was, well, we've done it and this is how <laughs> we did it. <laughs> so it was quite entertaining. This was obviously a few years after Chicago and, 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 and yeah. it was probably around 2015 and 2016, but um, learning about the challenges for me is really valuable because obviously, you know, we, we want to work with universities all over the world. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to speak with me, John, because, you know, there, there are many conversations at these conferences, which are confined to the two or 300 people that show up mm. at the conference. And we're hoping that many more people around the world will be able to hear this. And the insights that, yeah, it's tough. It's an uphill struggle. You have to fight the battles and you've got to brainstorm and, and yeah. but it's worth it. And then you got to maintain it and keep it going. Um, and, 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 and it's also interesting to hear that the pandemic, you wish you'd gone back to the, 600c lecture oh, only very occasionally only very occasionally. <laughs> but i have I to, think, have uh, to uh, yeah i have to ask you you know with the, look at the guitars in the background i mean uh, have you been writing songs during this break have you been able to play those at all are you gonna get still back still into playing. the
1: band oh, no. still playing a bit it's interesting as a telecoms engineer noticing the, the subtle delays a few of us did try to get on zoom and play and you sort of notice the the subtle timing <laughs> delay, depending on how far away they are, is actually quite off putting in uh, in in some sense. So no. But so, so have thank you been you, doing uh, a little
0: have you been doing that a little bit of playing with some friends on, on Zoom or
1: um, on on occasions, not not yeah. as much as I would like. I um I did uh I, I promised my first my first year saw the guitars, you know class of two hundred fifty first year electrical engineers, and, and at the end they put a, someone piped up with a question. Oh, so you're going to play us something then? And I said, oh, well if you if if you get if you have if the class average is over seventy percent in the first coursework, I'll play you something because the results would come out close to the end. Um, yeah, seventy two they got so. Um, yeah, I I had, I, had to, I had to play them something at the end of the clip. Well,
0: <laughs> I wish I'd been in that role. Well, at least you lived up to the promise. That's fantastic. Not anyway, I John, thank, thank, thank you very much indeed. I really, really do appreciate your time. Very it's good. Been, call. All right. Thanks a lot.